0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and much, much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang and my guest for episode. 44 of the Everything USC podcast has many jobs, among them play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Sparks, KTLA sports reporter, and a fellow host on the Believe podcast network as he does the Believe in 49ers show, Rashawn Haylock. Rashawn, I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to join me on the Everything USC podcast
0: nara my man i mean this is this is great thanks for having me i mean this is this is a throwback you know we, we go back to the high school football days with fox sports west so it, it's good to be reunited here today with you
1: definitely definitely and of course if you enjoy listening to the podcast please subscribe download and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts itunes spotify google stitcher luminary tune in or go right to the website, believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcast. To find me, I'm on Twitter. Go to at Narawang Sports N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. You can reach out to me there, talk USC or any kind of sports. I'm game. Rashawn, let the people know how they can reach out to you. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm
0: at R-Haylock on Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'm at Watch Ray, Ray That's at Watch Ray Ray. DMs are open. So, yeah, feel free to hit me up.
1: The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'll start with the good news. USC got its first conference win at home this season by defeating the Arizona Wildcats 41 34 last Saturday. Keontae Ingram piled up 204 yards and a touchdown on 27 carries. Jackson Dart returned from his knee injury and split time with Keaton Slovis who started and finished the game with the two quarterbacks combining the throw for 313 yards and four touchdowns. Gary Bryant Jr. had two of the TDs among his three catches, totaling 89 yards. Drake London had nine receptions for 81 yards and the other two touchdowns. But that's where the good news ends and the bad news begins. On London's second TD catch with 416 left in the first half, his right leg got bent awkwardly under him, as he was tackled, resulting in a broken ankle that will keep him out for the rest of the season, which likely means we've seen Drake London in a Trojans uniform for the last time. And despite leading Arizona 28-7 after that last London TD, they were outscored the rest of the game 27-13 by a team that is winless this season. The SE defense made Wildcats QB Will Plummer look like a dual-threat star, just like it had done the year before with Grant Gannell and neither of those guys will remind anyone athletically of Khalil Tate. Penalties were an issue again as the Trojans committed nine penalties for the second straight game for 100 yards. Rashawn, the loss of Drake London is devastating in so many ways because he was clearly the best player on the squad and one of the few things you could enjoy about watching this Trojan team this season. Can USC overcome his injury and still finish the season strong?
0: I don't know about overcome. I mean, at this stage, what's overcoming, right? Like, is it just getting to a ball game? Is it winning a game the rest of the season? Like, I mean, the way this year has gone for SC, I mean, it's tough, right? So they're going to miss them. That's a key cog in the offense. I tend to think they were a little too Drake dependent in all honesty. It looked like that was really the only direction Keaton really liked to look, right? It was in the direction of Drake London. And look, don't get me wrong. I mean, that's a, that's a great place to go. I mean, he is, without a doubt, you know, a legit wide receiver, he's a pro. And I I agree with you, we probably have seen the last of him in a USC uniform. And so the thing I'm excited about, though, however, is Kyle Ford. I think he can be a dude, man, I I really do. And I think this is an opportunity for him to kind of step up and showcase some of that potential. Maybe this could be a launchpad for him going into next season. It really makes you think, well, it really made me think, initially about once again about brew mccoy right i mean how much he's been missed in this lineup i mean obviously he's going through you know his legal stuff or what have you but you have a brew you have a drake i mean the the wide receiver record looked a lot different prior to the start of the season as it did after the season started and then obviously after as it does now with the injury to drake so i mean i I think it's possible for them to find some cohesion but i I think it's an opportunity right who's gonna step up man i'm looking for kyle ford to be that guy
1: Yeah, Kyle Ford, a big-time recruit, came in and has been dinged up by injuries during his time at USC. So this is going to be an opportunity for him to get more playing time. You'd like to see Taj Washington maybe get more opportunities. Gary Bryant Jr. clearly is the deep threat. He only had three catches, but led the team in receiving yards and got the two touchdowns in the game against the Wildcats. So we're going to see how they collectively try and make up for the loss of the guy who was going to win the Bolitnikoff Award. He maybe should still win it anyway. I mean, he might not because of missing the games, but Drake London, clearly the best wide receiver in the country this season. He will no longer be playing for the Trojans for the rest of this season. And if, as everyone expects, he will put his name into the NFL draft, it will be the last time we've seen him in a USC uniform. However, there were some positives. I mentioned Keontae Ingram. He seems to have stepped up and taken over the lead back role, had his biggest game as a Trojan with the 204 yards on the ground, and then we saw the return of Jackson Dart, the heralded true freshman quarterback from Utah, who came into that Washington State game and really kind of had a spark for the Trojans in that one, but Torres Meniscus had some surgery, he's back, and they split time with him and Slovis. How do you feel about that Two quarterback rotation. Should interim head coach Dante Williams keep it, or should he just pick one and go with one guy?
0: I don't like it at all. I get what Coach Williams is doing. He wants to promote a culture of competitiveness and, and guys competing and everything. And, and you want that. You want that at every spot on the field except for quarterback, right? Like that's the one position where I feel like you want to have a guy. You need to have a guy. And oftentimes, I say if you have two, you don't have one. I tend to disagree. From that standpoint, I think the Trojans may have won. And I think that guy may be Jackson Dart. I was listening to Pete guys on the radio call the game, and, and he just talked about how, you know, when he was on the field, it looked like the USC offense had a different juice, right? It had like a little different swag to them when he was out there behind center. And that's not really a good look for Keaton Slovis. If Dart is the guy who's sort of, has become a galvanizing player of sorts coming off that bench right and so I think darts the guy I think now it's time to look at him and and to go to Jackson Dart I think had it not been for the injury he likely would have been the starter by now and so I think he's your guy I, I think we've seen what more can Keaton show us at this point right I, I think we've, we've seen all all that we need to see from Keaton and it's not all him I mean some of it is this this offense, and I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but I think we've seen the best of Keaton Slovis, and I think now's an opportunity for Jackson Dart to step in and take over the reins.
1: Yeah, you don't even have to be a football expert. If you just watch the games, you see the ball jump out of Jackson Dart's hand. There's some zip to his passes that you don't see with Keaton Slovis, and that's just the honest truth of it, is that Dart has a better arm than Keaton Slovis, so... It's a matter of, are you trying to appease the fact that Slovis has the experience and you're trying to ease Dart in? But we all know that there's going to be a turnover with this coaching staff going into next season. The air raid offense is more than likely going away. So thank God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But even if you are playing Dart in this system, he's going to have to relearn everything anyway. Right. So yes, it's good to get him the game experience. But if he's going to be playing in a system that's not going to be around, that doesn't necessarily help either because he's going to have to relearn a new system based on whatever new coaches come in. So I think it's one of those situations where I think everyone knows that Dart has more natural talent. You can see it, but they're trying to show the respect to Slovis, a guy who's been in the program for three years, a guy, again, who was basically promoted as a freshman by Graham Harrell as the guy of the future, even when they had JT Daniels at that time, the more of the talk at that point was like, yeah, JT won the job, but it was more like, oh, but this kid Slovis is going to be great. And it just hasn't turned out that way. And unfortunately, I think they're going to keep up this two quarterback thing unless one guy really fails to kind of show up, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I get it, right? Like
0: when Clay was still here, like, he saved Clay's job, right? So you kind of owe it to him from that standpoint. But now, I mean, like, whose job is there to save? <laughs> There's, I just don't see it. I mean, him the way he took the position, I'm not in favor of guys losing their jobs as a result of injury, for one. And so I just think the way everything shook out with JT Daniels and stuff, I just thought that was a bad look on the program, A. And then B, when you look at Jackson Dart, yes, you know, this system may be going away, but... I think there's something still about the opportunity to have real live game reps. And so that can't be replicated, you know, in the summer, player run practices or in spring ball or what have you. So I think this is a prime opportunity for him right now. And I think, look, the goal at this point should be trying to get to a bowl game, whatever game that is, right? And so, you know, who's going to give you the best chance, the best opportunity to get there? I think right now, without a
1: doubt, it's Jackson Dart. And they need two more wins. It's going to be tough with the rest of the schedule based on who they have to play. And I agree. I think Dart, probably because of his arm talent, is the better choice. The issue, too, though, is that you can see that he's clearly not 100% coming off of the knee surgery. He showed a lot of mobility in that Washington State game, which he didn't show in this game against Arizona. So we just don't know how limited he is as a runner, which was a big part of that wazoo excitement about him so obviously I think they're trying to protect him in that way too and so we'll see I would expect them to keep up with this Slovis starting play a couple of drives put in dart play a couple of drives and then maybe if one guy isn't doing so well they might make a determination later in the game but I agree with you I'm not a big fan of that two quarterback rotation I mean I go back to the days when I was in school when they had you know, Brad Otten and Kyle Wahholtz and tried to pull that two quarterback rotation. And that didn't work out. It turned out that obviously Brad Otten was the better quarterback and he led the Trojans to a Rose Bowl. So if you can find one, I think you should pick one. But we're going to see how this all plays out. Again, a lot of turmoil, a lot of intrigue within the program for this season. So It'll be interesting to see how everything turns out. Again, this is the Everything USC podcast. I am Nara Wang. My guest today is Rashawn Haylock, fellow Believe podcast host doing the Believe in the 49ers show with former 49er Super Bowl champion Eric Davis. He's also the play-by-play voice of the LA Sparks, and you can catch him on KTLA reporting on sports as well. If you enjoy listening Please subscribe, download, and rate the show on all of your favorite podcast directories. And you can go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, to find this show and all the other podcasts that Believe has to offer. Go on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Rashawn, let the people know how they can catch up with everything you're doing. Yeah, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Haylock on Twitter and at
0: watchrayray on Instagram.
1: Hi, everybody. Pete Arbelgast, the voice of the USC Trojans since 1989. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. Turning our attention now to the game this Saturday night at Tempe, Arizona, against the Arizona State Sun Devils. It'll be the Pac-12 After Dark game on ESPN. Kickoff at 7.30 Pacific and Mountain Time. You can catch it, like I said, on TV with ESPN or on the radio, KABC 790 AM and the Trojan Radio Network, Sirius XM as well. The Sun Devils come in 5-3 overall, 3-2 in the Pac-12. They have lost two games in a row, however, for their two Pac-12 losses. They had a 34-21 loss at home to Washington State last week. That came off of a bye week, and they had lost the game going into the bye, 35-21 at Utah. The head coach is Herm Edwards in his fourth year in the program. He is 22-16 overall as the Sun Devils head coach. USC leads the all-time series 24-13. That includes the vacated win from the 2005 season. And SC has taken five of the last six meetings against ASU. In the last game last year at the Coliseum, USC basically won with a miracle. It was 28-27, the final. The Trojans had to overcome a 13-point fourth quarter deficit to win in the season opener. And that required an onside kick that was recovered by Brew McCoy after he caught a touchdown that had deflected off of Amon Ross St. Brown. And then Drake London caught the winning touchdown pass in that one. And in the last game in Tempe in 2019, USC won it 31-26. Keaton Slovis opened up on fire in that one. Four touchdowns in the first quarter to build a 28-7 lead. But it required an interception by Christian Rector in the final minute to actually seal the win there. Arizona State, of course, coming into the season, a lot of people probably have heard about the controversy surrounding possible recruiting violations from last year that resulted in three assistant coaches being put on administrative leave, including two with USC ties. Wide receivers coach Prentice Gill, who was a grad assistant at SC and defensive backs coach Chris Hawkins, who played for SC as well as coaching. And so, Rashawn, a lot of people thought that the Sun Devils would win the Pac-12 South this season and challenge Oregon for the conference crown. But with three losses already, was this team overrated or was the controversy that has surrounded them since the start of the season just been too disruptive to them?
0: Yeah, I don't know that they were overrated. I honestly expected more from this ASU team coming back. I mean, you got the quarterback back, right? Anytime you got the quarterback back, and someone who is as dynamic, you know, as Jaden Daniels is, then, you know, you expect big things out of the program. And he's got some targets too. I mean, he's got some dudes out there at wide receiver. A lot, of, a lot of those guys, you know, from here, you know, that, you know, we watch play high school football. And so I expected big things. I expected them to be a challenger with USC, quite frankly, for the Pac-12 South. And we see how that's turned out. So I mean, you look at some of the disruptions on the coaching staff. I think that all that stuff plays a role, right? And so I think that has, you know, a a part to do with it. And they've had, you know, just some tough luck, too. But, I mean, you throw all that out the window, you know, against USC, because, I mean, look, it doesn't matter what USC's record is, right? Everybody gets up to play USC. And especially in the Pac-12 where, you know, I mean, we hear the stories all the time, right? There are a bunch of guys from here that, play for these other programs you know this week it just happens to be Arizona State and SC may have overlooked them during the recruiting process right SC may not have extended an offer to them or a conditional offer to them or or something along those lines so I mean you're playing against your hometown team you're playing against the team that maybe you you wanted or desire to go to maybe even the team that you grew up rooting for and and the one place that you wanted an offer from and, and and you didn't get it so Emotion is going to be high. I mean, those guys will be flying around. Um, And on top of that, I mean, they've lost two in a row. So why not this game? Why not a better opportunity to break that streak thing going up against USC if you're in that Sun Devil locker room right now?
1: For sure. And so let's go over some of these players to look for on the ASU roster. Some of the key guys on offense. You mentioned them already, the junior quarterback, Jaden Daniels. He's completed 68% of his passes this year for a little over 1700 yards, seven touchdowns, but five interceptions, been a little more turnover prone this season than in the first couple seasons at ASU. But of course, he's known as a dual threat. He's also run the ball 79 times for 432 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. The running back, Redshirt senior Rashad White has 86 carries for 483 yards and nine touchdowns. He's also added 27 catches for 251 yards and a TD. He needs 97 yards on the ground to reach 1,000 for his Sun Devil career. And the leading receiver so far this year with 31 catches and 378 yards is junior Ricky Pearsall, also has a couple of TDs on the season. Flipping it over to the other side of the ball, They're led by senior linebacker Darian Butler, named a semifinalist for the Butkus Award this week. He has 50 tackles to lead the team, seven of those for loss, including two sacks, and also has three interceptions. And a familiar name to Trojan fans, the redshirt senior cornerback Jack Jones. He has 30 tackles, one and a half for loss, broken up seven passes, has two picks, and forced a fumble as well. We all remember him from when he started his career at USC. So USC comes in 500 in the conference, 500 overall. What do you think SC needs to do to get this win in the desert?
0: Well, I think defensively it starts with containing Jaden Daniels, right? You mentioned him being a dual threat. I don't know that you can allow him to do both. Right. And so you know, are you going to make him a passer, or are you going to allow him to run the ball all over the place? And with the pressures and stuff that Todd Orlando brings, then you're leaving yourself vulnerable to some things. So if you're going to come, you got to make sure you get home. I think one of the issues all season long has been with USC has been just you know being able to get to the quarterback and, and finish finish those opportunities, right? And so if you can get there, fine. But at the same time, you got to be disciplined in terms of your gaps. Like you can't, you got to somehow find a way to Create pressures, but also keep him in the pocket. Cause if he gets out and he gets those legs turning and moving, then you got a whole nother set of issues on your hands. So I think that's the key for them defensively. And then on the offensive side of the ball, it's make a play. It's step up, you know, whoever that is, whether it's in the run game, whether it's in the passing game, you know, those receivers on the outside, like it's time for guys to now step up and start making some plays um in USC uniforms. And so we go back to the quarterback situation, right? Like, who's it going to be? Like, is it going to be Jackson Dart? Is it going to be Keaton Slovis, right? Like, which one of these guys is going to take the reins of this position? Like, who's going to leave no doubt? You know, who's going to make the fans just kind of scoff at the fact that they were actually taken out of the game because they're playing so well, right? You, you need one of those type of opportunities, right? You mentioned Pac-12 after dark. It's Tempe, Arizona you know that crowd is going to be ruckus and wild and crazy. So you're going into, you know, a wild environment and it's just you out there on the road. And so you're going to have to step up and make some plays on the offense on the offense side of the ball. And then defensively, you got to find some way to contain the quarterback.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can't contain Will Plummer from running, right? How are you supposed to contain <laughs> Jaden Daniels? I mean, that's the key here is that Jaden Daniels is going to be the best athlete they're going to see at quarterback this season. And... If you can't stop Will Plummer from being basically a dual threat guy, when we know he's not athletically a dual threat guy, then you might have some issues with Jaden Daniels. So that's going to be, I believe, the biggest key there. I think Rashad White is going to be a tough handle as well, as he has done really well this season and he's experienced. He knows what it is like to play against USC. And... On the other side, I think USC has to find a way to get explosive plays, but can you do that without Drake London? ASU, despite some of their issues, they have been one of the best teams in the country in limiting explosive plays. They gave up a 40-yard play for the first time all season against Wazoo. That's the only one they've given up. They were the last team in the country to give up a play of 40 yards or more, they've only given up 9 plays of 30 yards or more all season, which is one of the best marks in the country. So, despite some of their issues, they have been able to contain teams from getting big explosive plays. I think SC is going to need to try and get that. I would expect them to try and do that with Jackson Dart because of the bigger arm on Dart, but when you're missing that key cog in Drake London, like you said, who's going to step up? Is it going to be Kyle Ford? Is it Taj Washington? Is it going to be Gary Bryant Jr.? Or is it someone else who's going to get an opportunity as well? And so I think there's a lot of questions to be had here with this team. Oh, there's
0: so many, so many questions, right? And then, but to that point, like, yeah you want to have some explosive plays but i think even more important than that is just sustaining drives right and and that's something that we've seen this team have a a tough time doing not necessarily just this season but you know last couple of seasons like just being able to sustain a drive right keeping your defense off the field and and fresh and not having to hurry them back out there because another because of another three and out situation like can you be able to do that on the road in a hostile environment i think that's going to be key and also i mean look at gary bryant i mean yeah he's the the deep threat so to speak but like there are so many opportunities to get the ball in his hands right that that he can be dangerous um i mean he's a playmaker right like you got to find a way to get the ball into his hands and not necessarily like overthink this thing like you see what he can do in the return game i mean why not try to use some of that skill set on the offensive side of the ball as well like just Simple stuff like that has just been, like, mind-boggling to me.
1: Totally agree. You know, I'm not a big fan of the bubble screen per se, but Gary Bryant's a guy you'd maybe try and run that to. A quick slant to him. Get him some run-after-the-catch opportunities. Totally agree with you there. So it's time for us to make our predictions for this game. Everyone looking forward to the predictions segment on this Everything USC podcast every week. So let me update you on how it's going. Last week, the editor of Trojans Wire, Matt Zemek, was my guest. And for the players that we believed in, I went with Kanai Mauga. He took Chris Steele. We both went on the defense. And of course, I had mentioned that, hey, it has to be basically a Drake London free zone because we all know he's the best player on USC. So we got to try and take someone besides Drake London. And then, of course, Drake gets hurt. So I hope I didn't jinx that whole thing by saying that we couldn't pick Drake for the players we believed in anymore. But Kanai Mauga finished the game leading the Trojans with 10 tackles, seven of them solo. He did, however, have a 15-yard face mask penalty in the game. And Chris Steele, five tackles, all of them solo tackles, and he forced a fumble. So I'll let you decide here. I'm calling it a tie in that regard. Do you agree or do you think he won or I won on that play?
0: <laughs> I, I, we can call it a tie. We can call it a tie. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So that's a tie
1: there. <laughs> For the game score, I had it 34-17 for USC, not covering the 21-point spread that they were favored by when we recorded the show, and he had it 38-10, SC, so I will pick up the win there because SC only won by 7 points, so I got that by them not covering the spread. And then in the prop bet... For last week, Nara's no doubter was that the two teams would combine for at least 750 yards of total offense. They went way over that, 1,013 combined total offense. And Zemek's zigzag was that Arizona would fail to reach 200 yards of total offense. So he was way off, obviously, there with Arizona piling up 466 yards on offense against the Trojan D. So I got two wins, and there was a tie for the last spot there last week. So now on the season, updated standings, I've got 10 correct. My guests have seven, and there were three ties. So got myself a little more of a cushion after last week. So now we're going to do our predictions for this week. First, the players we believe in. And for this week, I'm going to go with Gary Bryant Jr. I think he steps up and takes over for some of what Drake London was contributing to USC. Rashawn, who is the player you believe in for USC?
0: So I like the pick with Gary Bryan. I think he can do some things. I'm going to go defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with Drake Jackson. I think this is a big game for him, right? If you go back to his recruiting process, like he was really torn between USC and ASU. And being able to go back there and play in this game, I think it's going to be a big one
1: for him. So I'm expecting a big night from Drake Jackson. All right, so one of us going offense, the other going defense for the players we believe in. And now for the game score. I'll let you go first, Rashawn. What do you think it's going to be? And just so everyone knows, currently, as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon on Bet Online, USC is an eight and a half point underdog. Of course, Bet Online, a sponsor of this show, so we use their line. Currently, SC, an underdog for only the second time this season. The other time was against Notre Dame. So, Rashawn, what do you have as the game winner and score? I'm going to go 32-24 t- ASU. 32-24 ASU. So, SC would be barely covering the 8.5 point spread there. And for me, I am also going to pick the Sun Devils to win by just a little bit more than you. I'm going to say it's 30-20 Sun Devils in this one. So a 10-point spread for me. So essentially, if ASU wins and USC covers, then you're going to take the win there. And if ASU covers, then I'll take the win. That's how that one will turn out. And so now it's time for the prop bet pick. Nara's no doubter for this game against the Arizona State Sun Devils. I'm saying that, it's going to be a little bit sloppy for Pac-12 after dark and that both teams are going to combine for at least four turnovers in this game. So at least four turnovers between USC and ASU on Saturday night. Rashawn, what are you going to call your prop bet and what is it?
0: This is Ray Ray's rollout and we're going <laughs> to, this is new to it. Like I, I, I don't really, I'm not a big, uh, I don't really do, you know, spreads and and prop bets and stuff but so i'm gonna go with uh kyle ford five catches for kyle ford there we go
1: all right so kyle ford getting five catches in the game is gonna be ray ray's rollout i like it i like yeah. it so to recap the predictions for this week usc against arizona state The players we believe in, I'm going to go with wide receiver Gary Bryant Jr. Rashawn taking the linebacker, Drake Jackson, for the game score. We're both picking against USC. We're taking the Sun Devils to win in Tempe. I'm going 30-20 ASU. Rashawn has USC covering the 8.5 point spread at 32-24. And in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter is that the two teams will combine for at least four turnovers on the game and Ray Ray's rollout is that Kyle Ford steps up with five catches in this one so we'll see how it turns out again keeping track all season long to see how I do against my guests so far I'm in the lead but that can change from week to week it's been close all season long Again, I think you're
0: safe this week, Nar. I think you're safe.
1: <laughs> we'll see. I, you never know. You might have that beginner's luck, right? And you get it. So you never know what can ha- happen. And listen, I think we're both hoping that USC is going to make us look bad and win the game. But we got to pick what we think is going to happen. So yeah. Yeah. that's what we're doing right now. So this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm your host, Nara Wang. My guest is the multi-talented, multi-job holding Rashawn Haylock, who is also a host of the Believe in 49ers show, is part of the Believe Podcast Network. He does play-by-play for the LA Sparks, and he can be seen on KTLA doing sports for them as well. You can catch this show wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn. Subscribe, download, and rate the show wherever you listen to it. Or go right to the website, believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcast. For me, I am on Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Rashawn, if the people want to catch up with you, let them know how to do it.
0: You Hit me up on Twitter, at R-Halock on Twitter, and then at watch WatchRayRay Ray on Instagram. Hey, it's Mike Am of the NFL
1: Network. You're listening to the Everything USC Podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. And finally, to wrap things up, we had some interesting news break this week that former USC head coach Clay Helton is going to be taking over at Georgia Southern in the Sun Belt Conference. And so that is interesting that Georgia Southern, which also fired its... Head coach Chad Lunsford in September is hiring the former USC head man down there. We wish Clay Helton well. Good guy. Obviously, it didn't work out at USC, but we'll see what he can do at the Sun Belt Conferences, Georgia Southern University. But obviously, USC still has a hole to fill. And you figure it's going to start intensifying now as we get nearer to the end of the regular season in college football. Rashawn any thoughts on who you would want SC to get and what you think they are going to get as the new head coach?
0: Well, we know it won't be Mike Tomlin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that was always a ridiculous thing anyway, but yes.
0: Yeah, I, I'm flummoxed. I, I have no idea where, where they're going to go here. I just, the whole thing I just find extremely interesting, very peculiar in a sense that SC has for whatever reason been afraid to go big game hunting in recent years, right? When when you've had the head coach in vacancies, whether it was, you know, after Lane left and they didn't retain Coach Orgeron, they hired Sark. And then after the Sark situation, they brought back Clay on an interim basis and then, you know, ended up hiring him as the, the permanent head coach. Not going big game hunting for whatever reason. I think this is this is one where you have to do so. You have to go out there and, and get a big fish. Now who that is, I can't tell you. Like, there are really no sexy picks out there for me. I don't know about you, Nara, but, like, hearing names like Luke Fickle and, and James Franklin, like, that does nothing for me, right? Like, I, I, I don't know that there's a name out there that really tickles my fancy or does anything for me, in all honesty. So how are they going to make this thing work?
1: That's the issue, is that I think, and I've said it many times, because of the ties between Mike Bone and Luke Fickle from Mike Bones' time as the AD at Cincinnati who hired Luke Fickle to be the head football coach there. The success that Cincinnati has had. And by the way, we're not going to really go into it here, but the first edition of the college football playoff rankings was released yesterday, last night, and Cincinnati being ranked sixth is a travesty. Don't want to get into it too much, but horrible that Cincinnati is ranked sixth in those standings, which basically means they have no shot at the playoff. But again, I digress here. We're talking Luke Fickle. I think he's the guy that Bone is going to target. It's a matter of if Luke Fickle actually wants to move out west. He's a guy who's very rooted in the state of Ohio, a guy who played for Ohio State. His dream job would be Ohio State. It's not like when Lane Kiffin came to SC, he talked about how his dream job was being the USC head coach. That's not going to be the truth with Luke Fickle. If he says that, he's a liar, basically, because his (laughs) dream job is Ohio State. It's not USC. It's not anywhere else. So... Is he going to leave Cincinnati knowing that they're going to the Big 12 in a few years? Maybe as soon as two, maybe three or four, depending on how that all shakes out. And that if he keeps Cincinnati's program up, he has a chance to make college football playoff possibilities happen there being a part of the Big 12. Does he not want to wait? Does he want to come out and try it out west? I just don't know. It just seems from everything you've ever heard about him and his wife and their families they like being in the state of Ohio. So would he really want to move out to L.A.? I don't know. James Franklin, I just don't buy that guy as being better than Clay Helton as a head coach. Look at what he's done with Penn State. They lose a game every year that they shouldn't lose. They don't win the conference. The year they did win, they had that one extra loss that kept them out of the playoff. And so they went to the Rose Bowl to play who? USC. Coached by Clay Helton. Who won that game? USC. USC. So, I mean, you really trust James Franklin to elevate the program? I don't personally. But he's a sexy name, I guess. He has a good agent who knows how to get his name out there. And he, I think, wants to be in L.A. He's got the personality to try and be in L.A. And maybe that's enough. I just don't buy it. I don't see the results that would make him better than a Clay Helton, per se. Other names that are out there... Matt Campbell at Iowa State I mean he's done a great job elevating that program but again they haven't gotten over that hump to win a Big 12 conference or anything like that and this year they look like they had their best team in possibly program history and they've kind of underachieved so there is no really great name like you said out there that's gonna make everyone go wow and you know that's a great hire but again SC shouldn't have to worry about winning the press conference. I think that's just stupid. Like, yeah, you can hire the big name and they can come in and you can get all the applause at the press conference and people writing up that, hey, SC made a big hire. It's going to turn around the thing like we don't know that. Maybe just try and find the right coach for this program to build it back up. And maybe it's a guy who has a lower profile. And so we'll see. Again, I don't know that there's any name out there that would have really gotten sc fans super happy
0: what about mel tucker does mel tucker do anything for you
1: i like mel tucker as a coach but if he leaves michigan state he's leaving for lsu that's where he's going because of his ties to the sec
0: yeah i typically agree with you on the whole like you know winning the press conference thing but i think sc has gotten to the point where like i think they have to have it all right i think they have to do that and they have to find a guy that's going to be able to rebuild this program because right now if you look at the state of the program it's as bad as it's ever been i mean you walk into that coliseum and there's no one there like there's a wonder why you know sc can't win a home game because they they just don't have the support right i mean that was one of the worst homecoming showings probably ever you know at the coliseum last week against arizona and they were thankfully able to pull out a win but it's just bad. It's gone from bad to worse in a hurry. And I think that's on the administration. I I think just the decision-making has been dreadful. I think that the decision to fire Clay Hilton that early in the year was a bad choice. I don't think this team would be as bad as they are right now, record-wise, if Clay were still the head coach. And on top of that, if you're going to get rid of the guy, like you should just got rid of him after the Pac-12 championship game last season, as opposed to him entering on one strike. Because if, if that was the case, then you should not should have never brought him back. Instead, like you piss on the seasons of, of all your players in your entire program, especially these seniors, right, who can't get this year back. A pipe dream for me, and this, this is a pipe dream, but I mean, I would write a blank check. If we're writing blank checks, like who, like who, if you could write a blank check, who would you write a blank check to, Nara?
1: If I could write a blank check to anybody, I mean, there's a few guys I guess I could write a blank check to out there, but they're not attainable. I mean, you'd go after, like, the Nick Sabans of the world, right? Like, a guy who's proven, basically, that's a championship-level coach. But he's not leaving Alabama for USC, you know? I mean, that's like that's the pipe dream out there that, oh, a guy like a Nick Sabin would come or a guy who's an NFL coach now, like Mike Tomlin stuff. Like, that's why it's just... It's not realistic to be thinking about those guys. But uh, who did you have in mind if you could write a blank check? I'd go to Kirby Smart. Yeah, I mean. But I mean, there's, I mean, like you said, there's probably, I mean, he's
0: an alum, right? So there's probably no way he leaves Georgia. But you just look at the program that he's built there. You look at what he's doing on the recruiting trail. You look at, at where that Georgia team is and where they have been consistently over the course of the last you know, three years or so. I mean, the only questionable thing is maybe how he's handled the quarterback situations there. But I mean, he's had a bunch of really good dudes at that position who all, you know, if they didn't stay, they all gone on and started other places. And so if there was any negotiating to be done, I'd tell the guy, name is Price, right? You know, and I'm talking 10 million, 11 million, maybe a year, you know, for that guy. Cause I think he's the best coach in college football right now. Not named Saban, and I think Kirby's got he's got more left to coach than maybe he doesn't. Right, where Saban may be on maybe the tail end of his career, that may be the pipe dream for me. But I mean, I I don't know. Like, there's there's no sexy name out there, and and people go back to Pete Carroll and how he wasn't the first choice; he was maybe the fifth or sixth or seventh choice or whatever. And you know, who who's a comp to that? You know, maybe a former NFL guy who wasn't necessarily successful at his first stop, but can bring in a ton of energy. Like, who would that guy be? I know that's been a lot of the conversation amongst Trojan fans. Um, there are a lot, a lot more questions there than there are answers. And this thing is just a mess. Right,
1: and for me, that comp, the closest to that is Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator at Alabama who had been the Houston Texans head coach, had been successful in helping Penn State transition out of the Paterno years after the issues that they had there in Happy Valley. So is that a guy that would be suitable for usc you know a bill o'brien type of coach who has the pro experience but now is back in the college game you know obviously before what happened this year and being signed to be the head coach of the jacksonville jaguars everyone always would bring up the name urban meyer right but obviously the baggage that surrounds meyer is what kept usc from hiring him the last couple years when he was available to be hired when he was just doing tv on fox so That was never going to happen because they made it clear, the administration of USC made it clear that he was not a suitable candidate for the job. Now, based on just football coaching, he was the one home run hire, you could say, in terms of what he could do on the field. Now, you know you're going to get all that baggage, though, and that baggage was too much for USC's administration, obviously.
0: What if the administration has changed its mind? I wouldn't I throw that out.
1: Changing that. I don't think you're changing your mind, especially after what's happened with him this year. Yeah. I just, I don't think but you can come make out that with, in the
0: In the bar with, with the girl and all that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's...
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't. You <laughs> yeah. just can't. If you had issues with him before, based on character stuff, that didn't help the matter. So, and he's, listen, he's coaching with the Jaguars. He's going to make them have to fire him, basically, because he's not quitting that job after one year unless he's absolutely forced to so that that's again that's not realistic so who's realistic i like
0: the bill o'brien i like the bill o'brien comp i think another comp along those lines is a name that i brought up years ago and i think it still holds true now is raheem morris kind of in that Pete carroll mode super high energy energetic guy had a cup of coffee as a head coach Worked for a little bit, not for an extended period of time, but got a tremendous resume as a defensive coordinator in the NFL and, and someone who can probably transfer over to the college game. I think that's a I, you're talking about like that Carol, that Pete Carroll comp, right, trying to yeah. recreate that magic. I think he's a guy that maybe fits that bill. And I, and I said this way back when I think when they hired Sark. And obviously nothing came to it. I don't even know if Raheem has any interest in coaching college football, to be perfectly honest with you, but I think he fits along those lines. But I think Bill O'Brien is a very interesting name and he's gone to the Nick Saban rehabilitation program. Yep, and, exactly. um, and I think I think that could be a real interesting thing. And I think that that could be a I think that would be a very good hire for USC.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a realistic hire, too, in terms of—
0: Remember, he did what he did at Penn State when they were under sanctions. Yep. Remember that,
1: right? They were in a rough way there, and he stabilized the program. Now, listen, Bill O'Brien's kind of a bristly guy. He's not as media-friendly, maybe, as a Pete Carroll. Yeah, none
0: of those things. But his his issue has never been coaching. But he can coach. Yeah, it was it was, it was was being the coach and the general manager of the Houston Texans, right? But as just the head coach, and I mean, I guess, you know, as a as recruiter, you got some GM responsibilities at the collegiate level. I think it worked out. Look, he signed, I mean, people talk about it now, but Christian Hackenberg at one time was number one quarterback in the country, right? And he signed him to a probation-laden uh, Penn State program, right? And I think the fact that he's worked with Belichick, he's worked with Saban, I think that carries weight. And also... I mean, it's not really incumbent upon the head coach. I mean, I know we talked about Kirby, but it's not really necessarily – it doesn't have to be incumbent upon the head coach to be the best recruiter, right? I mean, you hire some guys to do that. You just keep Dante. You keep Dante Williams. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a hard ask. But, I mean, yeah, you you try to do that. You try to keep guys like Dante. I mean, ultimately, you're looking at a two- to three-year reclamation project here with USC. And and on top of that, like, you have to – Like SC can get all skilled players in the world they want until they start devoting some time to them boys up front on both lines, defensive line and offensive line. They're going to be just good enough to not make it to the CFP or just good enough to, you know, be Pac-12 South champions and and nothing more. Because, I mean, you got to you went on the lines, you went on the offensive defensive lines, and that's what's been missing from this program for years. And so they need to they need to figure that part out.
1: Exactly. Whoever comes in as the next head coach for USC is going to have to make that commitment to not just get the splashy hires at the skill positions, but to fix the fundamental issues that have plagued USC over the last decade or so. And again, we don't know who it's going to be. We're throwing names out there, but it seems like USC is going to have to get going to figure out who they're going to get as their next head coach here. So... Rashawn, it's been a pleasure catching up and talking some USC football with you today and looking forward to USC basketball too, both the men and the women, right? This season. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm excited about the women of Troy. Uh, Lindsey Gottlieb first year head coach. I think she's You've already seen changes to the program and they haven't even played a game yet. So I am pumped about what she's going to do with this program.
1: Yeah, and of course, the men's side coming off an elite 8 run. They did lose the star of that program Evan Mobley and he's off to a good start with the Cleveland Cavaliers and so we'll see how Isaiah Mobley his older brother maybe takes over the reins as the lead guy for the USC men the USC women you've got Alyssa Peely back and a lot of people who were maybe doubting what USC was going to do you saw Mike Bowen put in a lot of money for the women's program. Just hiring Lindsay Gottlieb away from the Cavaliers showed a uh, renewed, basically vigor commitment. to, try and, again, to yeah. try and build that program back up to the heights that they had in the eighties. When you had Cheryl Miller and Cynthia Cooper, the McGee twins and that greatness from the women of Troy then. So looking forward to the start of basketball, just around the corner as well for the men and women of Troy and it's been good to talk to you, Rashawn, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Nara, my man, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. So, for my guest, Rashawn Haylock, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 44 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with the show for every team in L.A. and so much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show with a fight on.